This is a Voice It podcast. I'm KLG and each episode I'll bring to you different stories from business people across the UK on It's Your Business. Everyone has a story to tell. Why not voice it? Voiceitpodcastagency.co.uk In this series, we deliberately use equipment that you might already have in your business, ensuring that you have the opportunity to make your very own business podcast. More about that on my website. Hello and welcome to this episode of It's Your Business. And in my studio this week, I have Coral Horn. Now, some of you will know that Coral has just climbed Kilimanjaro and we're going to hear all about that. And she's the founder of Pink Link Ladies and the Eva Awards. So welcome, Coral. Hi, Kath. Fabulous to be here, although I must admit a week ago I was a long way away from uh, rainy Blackpool, which is where I am at the moment. Can I just say, first of all, how are you? I'm good. I'm, I am good, but uh, I literally got back on Monday morning in the early hours and then was straight back into work on Tuesday morning and have been working ever since. Haven't even finished my unpacking yet. So I'm still trying to catch up on sleep and recover from Kilimanjaro, which apparently can take about two to four weeks, depending on the individual. I can imagine. So let's just go back a bit. Why did you climb Kilimanjaro? Why did you put your name down to do such an amazing thing? Well, well, we have one life, don't we, Kath? So I thought, why not? Absolutely. And then did you train for it? Oh, a few months. Did the training actually prepare you for what you came up against? To be fair, I probably trained for about four months, but I did go massively into my training. I gave me a training schedule and I went way over the training schedule. Uh, because I felt I really needed to give myself the opportunity, the best opportunity I possibly could to make sure I was going to make a success of the challenge. So I was walking about 25 miles a, a week and climbing mountains and doing sunrise trips in Snowdon just to get myself used to all the different things I was going to come up against as much as possible when you, in this country when your mountains here are nowhere near as high as they are in Africa. But yeah, so I did. I put a lot of training in, so I was very prepared with my equipment. I tested all my equipment out. I realized what I needed, what I didn't have, what wasn't working, made some tweaks. Um, but I also got used to just doing something consistently because I thought if I'm walking for eight days without a break, no coming home and then, you know, kicking off your shoes, putting your feet up, watching telly, none of that for eight days. So I thought I needed to be really prepared for the stamina side. So I made sure that I put as much effort in as possible and continuously did something. Everybody was saying, slow down, you're doing too much. And I was like, no, I don't have a chance when I'm in Kilimanjaro. They won't say, oh, go put your feet up, Carl. You've done enough for today. So yeah, I think I put a lot of effort in and it uh, did me in good stead when the time came. Absolutely. I mean, when you said you were doing it, I thought, I know a bit about Coral. She's got that great determination to do it because a lot of it is mindset as well, isn't it? Mindset, training, um, and those combined, I thought, she's going to smash it. Well, there's no such thing as smashing Kilimanjaro. I know a few people that have done it, and it is hard. Yeah, I knew there was a few people I knew who were very experienced walkers, and I'm not a hiker, so... I walk, but I don't hike mountains and stuff. 
So they were all, uh, are you sure you know what you're doing? You know, because I was novice and I knew I was novice. Um, and I just said, as long as you plan for it and I'm prepared and I've put the effort in physically, um, the rest is all down to your mind. It's how you tackle it in your head. And so I thought, if I've done all of that preparation, after that, it's down to my head going, yep. And I took it as being every day, put one foot in front of another. And how long can that really be? So that's how I tackled it. So, but I do have to admit, Kath, our summit night was not the easiest of summits. Why? Tell us about that. Well, our guide, Christine, and we had an English guide. Um, she said it was the worst summit she'd ever had, weather-wise. We had 25 miles per hour wind and we had minus 19 temperature. And it was equivalent to adding 500 meters to the climb because of the difficulty in breathing, uh, which she said meant we were basically doing Everest. <laughs> it was pretty hard going. It took us 12 hours uh, to do it. We started at 11 o'clock at night in the dark, obviously with our torches, in that wind. And it took us nine hours to get to the summit and then three hours down. Um, and I had, I couldn't feel my fingers. I couldn't feel my feet. Um, I was really concerned about spikes, to be honest. Um, really difficult breathing. And one of our ladies didn't make it at all. She went back day five, morning of day five, with altitude sickness. And during the summer, we had a number of our ladies were vomiting on the way up due to altitude sickness. Uh, one of them had to be put into, uh, they had to break open the first aid kit and get the uh, emergency thermal bodysuit out to put her in to prevent her getting hypothermia. And I was just having difficulty breathing. Um, so yeah, it wasn't easy. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you that we all had to dig really deep. And I just kept going one foot in front of another. What's on the of another? During work from there, the person had to go away day five. People were being sick. The thermal body suits were coming out. What in your head said, come on, Coral, this isn't going to be me. I'm going to keep going. Well, there were times, Kevin, but this is bloody madness. That's <laughs> crazy. Like, we're literally, and I'm already, you know, I'm quite a short person. I'm not quite five foot three. So, battling up two miles of screen with loose footing, loose rocks and stones and stuff, and, and clambering over stuff when you've got winds literally pushing you over, blowing you over, was not easy at all. But there were a number of reasons that I did this calf. Um, and one of those was that I lost my friend to cancer at the end of February after a, a very short three-month battle, um, cancer of the esophagus. And so when it was really hard, I just kept saying to myself, it's one foot in front of another. My friend had to deal with a lot of hardship and pain you know, every single day for those three months where literally she was dying. And I thought, I'm not dying. I'm walking up a mountain, one foot in front of another. Lots of people go through a lot worse. So although it wasn't easy, and it was really hard, I just thought, thought my friend and I thought, keep going, you can do this because we can all put our mind to things and get through stuff when we have to. What an incredible mindset to have to do that. I mean, that is just... Amazing. Amazing. What was the best bit? Getting to the bloody top. <laughs> what did you actually do when you got to the top? Did you scream? Did you cheer? Did you no. just relieve? <laughs> no, you get to a point called Stella. Um, so it's like um, Stella Point towards the top. 
which is the first part that you you get to. So on the way up, probably about six hours in, we saw the sunrise, which was beautiful. Wow. But it took us another two hours to get to Stella Point. Then when we got to Stella Point, we had a quick photo and the guy said, we're not at the top yet. Uhuru, which is the very peak, um, is a little bit further along. And one of the girls went, get me off this bloody mountain now. <laughs> I was laughing. He said, come on. He's like motivating her, saying, it's 15 minutes. It's 15 minutes more. You can do it. By this time, we are like, literally, we're zombies. <laughs> yeah. Just going, oh, my God. So anyway, it wasn't 15 minutes. It was a little, a little thin. They, they dig about quite a lot about how, how long it was. Their time it was not yeah. really long time, minutes, seconds, minutes, and hours that we know in our world. Um, it was actually about an hour and 15 minutes later till we got to the top. So, but by which time it was too late. So, yeah, we got to the top. We had our group picture, in, including the, the lady in the picture. If you see it on post on social media, she's in her bodysuit. Bodysuit, she was wrapped up. So, yeah, we had our picture. Then we all had our individual pictures. I have to be honest at this point, Kath, it was still really blowy and I, it was difficult to breathe. So, was, we didn't spend a lot of time up there because the longer you're at altitude and the more you are having to breathe in at that altitude, it's not great for your body. So, we literally did as, everything as quickly as possible. I just took a moment and uh, I took my friend's ashes up. So, I spread my friend's ashes, uh, which was really nice. Uh, and just had a moment for her. And then we all regrouped and um, we started to go down. But on top of Kilimanjaro, there's a load of glaciers, which I didn't realize were there. And they were just beautiful, huge glaciers that were wow. out there. And so, yeah, amazing. It's very barren at the top, but the glaciers are just awesome. And you are above the clouds, you're looking down at clouds. Wow. So, yeah. I mean, the furthest I've gone is Ben Nevis, and that was bad enough. I think it's incredible, especially, you know, that moment when, you think you're there, but you're not there. And you still got to pick yourself up, get that mindset in place and carry on to that last bit. Because as you arrived at where you thought was the top and you're not there, it must have been like, no way. Mm. And I guess they have to say 15 minutes or else you'd all just give up. You say, yeah, I can do another 15. I can do another 15. I mean, how many people can say that? You've done it. It's one of these things that you've done and you don't ever need to do it again. We can still tell everyone about it. I mean, what an incredible story to be able to tell. Yeah, it's amazing. People have said, would you do it again? I'm like, not bloody lightly. No. You've done but it. But that's the point. I don't need to do it. Do I regret doing it? Absolutely not. It was amazing. An amazing experience. And the summit was just one, one night. That was like the night of the, uh, the sixth night. We were there and the day of the seventh day. So our trek was eight days in total. So we'd been walking already six days by the time we went up at 11 o'clock that night done six days worth of walking um so and everything we saw along the way was amazing difference uh and we all shared lots of different stuff while we were there and it did strike me how we were all there yes we were all there to raise money for charity yes we were all there to challenge ourselves but also there was a lot of other things going on in people's lives yeah. that they were also there to think about. Um, and I think there'll be a few changes made for people you know, when we come back. It was 10 women, uh, 10, as we call ourselves, intrepid female entrepreneurs or women in business uh, with busy lives and lots going on. So, yeah, it was very 
um, cathartic experience that we all shared. Um, and actually, we'll all have that bond together. Really different backgrounds as well, Ken. I was laughing because some of the ladies I've travelled with never even camped before. What? Never slept in a sleeping bag before, which I was like, you know what? I did as kids. We all went camping. I still go camping. They imagined doing Kilimanjaro and never actually have camped. Imagine and then completing it. I, I guess it does change your perspective on lots and lots of things. But I can see why you've got a successful business. I can see why people gravitate towards you. If that's what you're made of, people want a part of that. So I'm going to talk now about your business. So you set up Pink Link Ladies in 2009? Yep, 2009, 14 years. 14 years that's been going. And don't see it everyone, it's bigger and better than ever. So why did you set that up in the first place? What was the idea behind it and how did it all come about? Well, to be honest with you, Kath, I was further away from paying the possibly get. You know, I came from a corporate background and corporate sales. And even as a child, I was a tomboy. I was always climbing trees, playing football. You know, that kind of stuff. I wasn't a girly girl at all. Um, and in fact, when I did start to wear makeup, I preferred that makeup you could buy. You know, where it's got like painting my numbers on it. Yeah. Your eyeshadow. So it tells you which bit goes where. Yeah. So, yeah. This... <laughs> I was never really a girly girl. Um, and I always... I was in sports where it was very male-dominated sports, you know, and things like that. So when I started Pink Lick, I actually had my sales training coaching business. And I'd met loads of women who were starting the businesses who'd been networking and they weren't enjoying it. And I said, well, where aren't you going? And they went, well, I went, there was, there was only me and one of them. Well, then I didn't like it. Nobody spoke to me. And they felt they didn't feel like they belonged. And I, and I kept hearing that. And I thought, that's a real shame because I knew in my business how much revenue I generated through networking and through referrals, you know, by going out, meeting people, you know, it's the best way to do it. You're not going to meet people sitting in your office or your, your kitchen, your office at home or wherever. Uh, to the same extent as actually going and having a chat with country. So um, when you hear something so many times, you start to think, oh, maybe I should listen. So I did some research. I asked 50 women in business that I knew. Uh, what they liked and what they didn't like about the networking at that current time. Bearing in mind, that was 14 years ago. Um, and from that, I started Pink Link with the first group. And to be fair, I thought I was just going to do what, and that was going to be it. Um, so, yeah, it sort of went a bit snowballed after that. Obviously, at some points, you know, especially pre-pandemic, we were doing a hundred events in the course of a year. So, yeah, thousands of women have come through. That's over. a lot of women networking, doing business together, and growing together, which is awesome. And then, of course, two years later came the EVAS. Yeah, 2011. So we had some, you know, a few networks going by then. I don't know if you remember, the Northwest Development Agency used to be based in Warrington. It was an enterprise uh, zone there. And they had uh, something called the Women's Ambassadors Scheme. And I was one of the women ambassadors. And they used to do a awards for women in the Northwest based at Ribby Hall every year. I'd been invited twice and I'd gone along and I was quite young in my business and young in Pink Link as well. And uh, I just thought it was awesome. I kept meeting all these inspiring women that were really, they were rocking it, you know. They were yeah. going all guns blazing and doing amazing trailblazing things. And it's still the same for me. I'm always inspired by women who are doing amazing things. And 
So I loved it. And I got, and I got to meet loads of other women who were also awesome. And I thought, this is great, you know, because we all going out there finding our tribe people, you know, and here I was with these amazing women being part of their tribe thinking, well, this is brilliant because I'm learning and I'm meeting people and hearing stories. Anyway, I loved that. And then um, the credit crunch happened at the um, session and the funding for it was pulled. So we found out in the January and I thought, that's a shame. So that's when I decided, well, it can't be too hard creating an award, surely. I thought, I'll do a bit of research, you know, do what you all do, always do when you're doing something. I thought, start with a little plan, um, do me budget, me forecast. Started to ring round and get some prices. And then I went, okay, they want a lot of money, these people. What do so? So the first year was very much a, well, let's come to deal this and see if I can beg, steal and borrow that, so, you know, to get it off the ground. But we did. And uh, the first year, I thought, if I get 150, I'll be really happy. Because they used to have about 225. Yeah. Uh, I thought, if I get 200, I'll be ecstatic. Um, 308. That was the first one. Oh, my God. I think it just snowballed from there. Yeah, it did snowball from there. So every year we sold out for the next, with two years at Ruby Hall, we extended into a second room for the second year. Sold out again at 360, I think it was. Then year four, we went to the Hilton, sold out, sold out at 480. We were like sardines that year. <laughs> it was very funny. There was no room at all. Um, and then that's when I took the decision to move to the Empress Ballrooms at the Winter Gardens, where we are now, which was, like I sort of said at the time, it was a bit of a time where I had to think, okay, moving to the Winter Gardens is a massive deal because the venue costs there, yeah. because of the size of the room, it's beautiful, but it's got a massive bolted ceiling. Yeah. That takes an awful lot of audio visual so that people can hear and see everything. Yeah. Um, and the cost of that is astronomical. So I just thought, okay, if I do this now, it's got work. So um, we did, we moved, moved to the Winter Gardens and it did. And we've never looked back since. Now we get over 700. Um, and it's lovely. Well, this year, I have to say, I watched it online. All the tickets were sold by the time I'd got round to it. And I actually sat and watched it online. So you, whoever did it online, it was great because I actually probably had the best seat in the house because I got to see everything. Kind of close and personal. Not to stop you going, you don't get the feeling, you don't get all of that glitter and the glam. But I did get to see, um, I followed it on Twitter and watched it. And, and just saw what was going on. And it was just amazing that you're able to do that as well now. So each year, you're adding on these new bits to make sure that it's inclusive for everybody who wants to go and watch. We added the live stream in a few years ago. Yeah. Um, because sometimes a lot of our ladies, they'll have family abroad or, you know, not local to us. And you can't afford to everybody or the family to come, you know. Yeah. Um, to buy tickets and things. And we just say to people, look, just call me. Even if you can't, you know, we don't ask you to buy a table. Just you call me. If you can't, you're going to be able to find it. Worry about it. Yeah. Um, but you've got, you've got a live stream option. And we get thousands of people watching on the live stream. So you're back. You're tired. You're recouping a bit when you started work straight away. I, I, I didn't think anything different. I thought you probably would. I old hide that. The ironing is like the ironing is now nearly as high as Kilimanjaro. What's next for Coral Horn? Well, it was funny before I went away. Everybody kept saying to me, "What are you going to do after Kilimanjaro?" I kept saying, 
bloody hell, give me a chance. I've not got to kill him on Jar. <laughs> so it is funny. I was laughing. I was crikey, O'Reilly. They were like, what are you going to do to top it? So from a, a point of view of challenges like that, again, definitely I've got the book and I'm going to do something else. And I have gotten a pull on my uh, to go to places. So I think maybe a bit of a trek in the pool might be good. Uh, but when it's back to the business side, onwards and upwards, as always, you know, as you know, Kath, you run your own business, there's very little time to uh, stop and, and uh, put your feet up. So we are busy at the moment getting ready for everything. We've got events on until the end of the year. And then obviously we're planning everything for next year. Eva's has already started again for next year. Wow. So, it's always onwards and upwards, which is great, because I don't think we'd have it any other way, would we? Absolutely. Onwards and upwards, one step in front of the other, like you did at Kilimanjaro. Thank you so much for talking to me today. It was really, really interesting and well done again. Thank you, Kat, and thanks so much for your time and having me. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want to know more about me or my business or you want to start your very own podcast, contact me at voiceitpodcastagency.co.uk. I'll see you next time.